Hello and welcome to Head Mounted Destinations, a podcast about VR and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and give you, the listener, a sneak peek behind the curtain as to how VR games are made. I'm your friendly neighborhood host and level designer Carlos, and with me as always... Hello, I'm Matt. I'm a gameplay programmer. And today, we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of Head Mounted Destinations. It's been one whole year that we've been producing the show, doing the audio editing and the video editing, uploading it to different platforms such as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And if you're on any of those platforms, uh, feel free to give us a like, subscribe, comment, engage with us however you can. We're very open to it. But enough about that. W- Matt, it's this is it. This is one year. How's it going? It's going amazing. Honestly, if I think back to a year ago, starting out, we didn't know anything. And we still don't know very much. But by golly, we have learned a lot about podcasting. <laughs> I think we've gotten good at selecting interesting things to talk about. And honestly, the thing that I'm jazzed about the most is how much value we've gotten out of it personally. You know, like when we have these conversations, I think we get a lot of value out of it and we come away thinking differently about VR as a space. And yeah, I I very much agree with that. Like, just taking, for instance, that conversation we had about hypersports, right? Like, I don't know, just one day it goes from like, hey, isn't Lone Echo cool to now we have like expanded this whole understanding of like what VR sports games could be and or like what is making the ones that are successful successful. And I can like think about that and those different kind of like pillars and elements we identified. I can think about that and apply that to my own side projects or potentially my own like professional work. And yeah, it's just a lot of like XP being added to the mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've really leveled up. This is level two now of head mounted destinations. And just to take a step back to the conception of the show, if I were to give like a sort of condensed timeline of how things went down, uh, it started all with us having these conversations about VR games while we were working out like we'd get together once or twice a week with a couple of our other game dev friends and we'd talk about vr we'd get really into it and it sort of just naturally figured like hey this is actually really fun but also we are going through the year inside now so i can't meet with you to go to the gym do you want to just keep having these conversations and like at that point i was like yeah definitely like i've I've very much been wanting to do a podcast or some sort of content like collaboration with someone, whether that be a game project, a video, a podcast. I mean, I remember I I sent you a text. I was like, hey, man, you want to do a podcast? (laughs) Um, And like at the time, you know, we had had these conversations and it was kind of a long road to turn that into something that people want to listen to. I remember we had a lot of conversations before when we were sort of setting up the show. It's like, what should this be? What's the target audience? Yeah, and that was really tough. I I feel like at least because it was our first stab at it, we weren't sure like, oh, like, are, should we just go like talk supernaturally and, you know, it'll be for the devs? Should we just like 
try to put it for people who like aren't in the game dev at all but like video games uh and then i think you know we were both pretty in agreement on wanting to stay away from any sort of kind of like hype show type feel like we're not here to talk about the new exclusives we're here to get into the let's say trenches Yeah, there are a lot of podcasts that focus on current news or interviews with people. And, you know, we wanted to do something that was a little bit more thoughtful and focus in on the developer perspective, the developer's eye view of the the market and the space and the development process. And what is it like to make these things? Um I think we've been good at communicating that so far without getting too in the weeds. Cause I think us as developers, you know, especially the more detailed oriented we get, it gets so easy to just go too far into the weeds and then like lose whoever you're talking to. But through doing this show, another thing I feel like at least I've learned is like how to, you know, to take something from Ghostbusters, like how to keep it. English Egon, like, you know, (laughs) and, and in doing that, like, it helps me to talk about that stuff with a lot of my friends who aren't into VR, just meaning like, they may not have tried VR yet. They may not know about it, or they just think it's not for them. But either way, like now, I find it much easier for me to at least attempt to explain things that are happening from like gameplay experiences or like how the game is like made. Yeah, I'd say that's the hardest line that we've been trying to ride is not making it too complex and and not understandable, not using too much jargon, explaining things where necessary, but also not like simplifying too much. I think it's easy to to go too far on the side of just like skipping over the complexity because the complexity is where a lot of the the interesting stuff is in the dev process. So I want to compare this to, you know, recently I've been watching a fair number of like music theory videos on YouTube. I don't know uh-huh. anything about music theory. I don't play music. Uh, I do not have a trained ear. None of this. But seeing people talk passionately about this thing and using all this jargon and i can like sort of follow along makes me more interested in in appreciating music at like a technical level and i hope this podcast can do the same thing for people where they hear the the flow of the conversation the things that we focus on the way that we talk about these games these experiences and they sort of can start to appreciate it from a different angle as they're playing because they they understand now how developers think about the experiences. Yeah, I I think I could say that that's probably one of, if not the core hope I had for the show is like listeners gain a new appreciation for the the things they generally play mindlessly or within some focus state, you know, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. like it's very much I do feel like it is less nowadays, but I think it was often you know not even like five years ago or whatever that like someone would just grab a game play it and then you know toss it once they were done and nothing really goes into the thought of like oh wow how is this thing i'm playing like put together and i think that is like way more prevalent nowadays but yeah maybe not as much as i wish (laughs) so that's why we're doing this (laughs) no yeah i think you're right i we've definitely seen an expansion of the like gamer consciousness and i think part of that comes with like early access and you know people learning to navigate 
the marketplace of unfinished games and and seeing that like process of completion i think has helped people understand how games get put together but you know maybe that's missing from the vr space and that's the value that we bring to listeners is for vr games specifically how does it come together yeah and it's also been valuable for us as developers you know talking over these things and analyzing them so maybe we should talk about some of the biggest concepts that we've talked about in this show that that have continued to assist us uh day to day and and help us think about things one of the concepts that sticks with me like on a daily is like regarding ergonomic kinesthetics and like i think about this as i'm playing the game i think about it as you know we work on our side project together like i'm i'm always having these like short convos with you where it's like oh hey like I like how this is working, but, you know, I think I'm going to make my level like this because I don't want the player looking down or looking in this direction. I don't want them to, like, stress out their arm. And so that's something that, like, I think is a really great thing that I had already started thinking about through my initial work on VR. But doing this show has, like, really just hammered it into my mind. And it's become, like, just another thought process, like another cycle within my grand programming. Yeah, there's so many like little elements to that of like, don't have the player reach above their shoulder level, don't have the player look down for extended periods, you know, allow the player to like move around their play space a little bit, don't have them stand in one spot or allow them to play seated. Try to avoid the T-Rex arms. <laughs> yeah, don't don't create motions that might get blocked by the chair arms um, if they're, if they're playing seated. So yeah, that's like a super valuable aspect is just always in the back of your head like a human is going to be playing this game and making these motions make it pleasurable and i think that sort of spirals into more generally like having your core loop be enjoyable from like a motion angle you know we tend to praise arcadey games like pistol whip um or swarm or you know we talked about the climb and we do that because, like you said, these games have like a uh, very much like to the point game loop that's also very satisfying, right? So Pistol Whip, it's like shoot, 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 dodge. Like now I'm actually pistol whipping someone. The climb, it's just okay, reach out, grab a rock, reach out, grab a rock, swarm. You're like Spider Man swinging and shooting guns, right? So again, you're not really going too complex into like what you're doing, but you're having a lot of fun. I think the people buying games on the the marketplaces sort of confirm this because like Beat Saber, Pistol Whip, you know, these things are the most popular games. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the main reasons is that this loop is short, this core loop where like you're doing a limited set of motions that feel cool, that play into that fantasy, they feel good. It has, you know, usually shorter levels. So you're like, intense action and then a bit of time to relax so there's that pacing that that like rhythmic pacing you know we've talked about this a fair bit as we've talked about these different games and i think that's a huge lesson that all developers should keep in mind even if you're building games that don't fit into this sort of short session short loop form i think really making it easy for the player to engage with their fantasy making it easy for the player to like feel cool and feel good doing motions even if you're making a longer form game i think that's like just a really valuable analytical angle we like all games alike we don't just straight up praise the 
arcadey ones because they have a good like to the point core loop to use a metaphor if you were taking children's like building blocks you know with the wooden blocks with the letters on them and stuff each of those blocks is going to be like a mechanic or a mutator and in order to build your castle which would be say half-life alex you need to put a lot of these little mechanics and mutators together but you got to make sure each tower is structurally fun and sound before you build a wall to connect it to another tower to continue the castle you know what i mean so i think you know it's often easy to praise like damn this is a good tower i.e like this is a fun game loop and pistol whipper swarm like great tower you got here but the next level is certainly getting multiple towers and showing that like mastery between like tech design and what have you to now start taking these multiple towers and combining them into this sweet castle vr experience I think a good example of that concretely is Half-Life Alex, because like that game has a lot of these, you know, to, to use your analogy, towers, like the force pole for objects. Very pleasing. Um, right. and there's there's a little bit of mastery there. The reloading process, you know, eject the clip, pull out the ammo, slot it in, rack the gun. Yeah, I would almost call those building blocks, honestly. Yeah, I think. It's fractal, right? Yes, these things are building blocks for a larger castle, but they are also castles in themselves. Ah, uh, okay. We yeah. see that with like arcade games have fewer mechanics, but they're like very tight and they they play on them. There's subtleties that get revealed, I think, over time is what right. you're getting at, right? And it's sort of the same thing with each element in Alex. The, the, the point is making the like small part of your game like the individual elements very tight is important and we see that where like games that are just sort of sloppy and loose really suck to engage with i don't really want to name names but i would say asgard's wrath is an example where no individual element is very tight or pleasing to do and so then you're left with this disconnect where it's not very engaging at a low level, even if you if even if you want to be pulled into the game at a high level, like you're enjoying the story or you're enjoying going through these levels in, you know, it's fulfilling a fantasy at a high level. It is not succeeding at a, at a base level, you know, in terms of the specific kinesthetics and like the combat experience, all these things. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like that game was fun to play. But it definitely hit a ceiling like fairly quickly because you felt how underdeveloped the VR aspects of it were. That segues nicely into talking about immersion, which I think is a topic that's come up a fair bit on the show in different contexts. And it's something that is really obvious when you're talking about VR. You're like, oh, I want to be in this other space. I want to be in this virtual reality. You want to look like an oculus like a japanese oculus commercial like i've seen the (laughs) resident evil 4 vr commercial that they're playing in japan and that's where you want to fucking be the second you put the headset on you feel like 50 zombies like grabbing you you get tossed through a fucking like wall somehow and now you're fighting a giant and it's all there you feel the rattle of his footsteps like that's the type of immersion you want to feel we're probably many years away from that plus thousands of dollars because you need to buy a (laughs) haptic suit for that type of stuff but 
you, that is to all say, like, you want to be as immersed as possible while being as comfortable as possible, which I think is, like, two concepts that, like, we've talked about a lot that tend to, like, butt up against each other. The immersion and then the reducing friction. Yeah. Just to play on your example of feeling the, the footsteps of the giant a little bit, I think that's really a place where it becomes counterintuitive how to increase immersion. Um, and this is something I think we've talked about a fair bit is realism and simulationism does not necessarily lead to immersion. And people who don't have a lot of experience in VR are often thinking like, oh, what if I got a treadmill so I can like actually walk in place and walk around? What if I got gloves? What if I got a haptic suit? And, you know, we talked about hand tracking and how hand tracking isn't actually the best thing for games potentially. Ah, uh, yes, our very first episode. <laughs> yeah, our very first episode. We talked about <laughs> physicalized combat and how that maybe isn't as effective at immersing the player as something a little bit more abstracted. Where I think we diverge from a lot of people's thinking is you actually increase immersion by making the world a little, little bit more abstract and teaching the player quickly about the rules of your world. So it's like very clearly you can interact with this. This thing works this way and not, oh, it's so real. The whole world is your sandbox because then the player comes in with a bunch of expectations of what they can do and then they're disappointed. Yep. And having your expectations violated decreases immersion very quickly. Yeah, it's very true that like any little thing can reduce that immersion. And really, ultimately, it is about, I think the way we put it was creating a consistent rule set within your world, Mm -hmm. like, you know, actions and reactions. But as long as it's like consistent, what you can and cannot interact with. I would say key games to look at be we talked about Phantom Covert Ops and how it presents these interactable elements that are you know, visually marked as interactable and and reuse a lot of the same motions. Uh, We talked about red matter, again, clearly marks what's interactable and creates little fun, almost mini games with those, you know, moving the battery that you can't move too fast, that kind of thing. And yeah, so that's all to say that immersion comes from quickly getting the player to have the correct expectations. We also talked about tutorialization and the sort of the difference between Getting the player to learn the world logic versus just like spitting like, oh, here's how you do this thing. Right. Yeah. Organic presentation of like mechanics and or rules versus just these floating cards with like text on them. Right. Exactly. Like like if we took Stormland, for instance, in that game, you can rip fruit off of plants and then like squash the fruit and you get XP or health, whatever. So it's like, oh, okay, we taught you this organic thing. Pick a fruit off a tree, which we as like cavemen know, right? <laughs> but there's there's levels to that, right? Like they yeah. highlight it with like the blue effect or whatever. So it's clearly marked as you can grab this. Yep. Um, and, you know, there's feedback as you squeeze it. It does a rumble that indicates progress, that your action is being accepted. And that's tying into the immersion aspect again, because now it's like, oh, I'm squeezing this thing. Let me simulate resistance however I can. And like the like the squish is like the end of the rumble or whatever. Right. It's it's so elementary to developers. I think we fail to mention it a lot of the time, but 
feedback for player actions is crucial, right? Like if the player does something within the game world, you recognize that with some haptics, with some sound, with a visual effect, with... Yeah, the general term we like to use is juice. Mm -hmm. When you got some player feedback, you got to make it juicy. The juicier the game, the more people are like, whoa, wowee. If you're playing Pong, like the very classic Pong, whenever the square pixel hits the paddle, you hear bloop. And that's juice. That's still juice. It's bloop. It was probably the craziest shit in like the <laughs> 80s or whenever it came out. They were like, oh, it's going bloop. Did you hear the, gra the sound card? It just went bloop. But, like, actually, that's kind of funny. That reminds me of playing Pong on PS1. They had made a PS1 version of Pong that was, like, speaking specifically about juice. That thing was, like, 3D models. You're in a w weird Aztec environment as the Pong board. The ball is turning into multiple balls, and they all have, like, visual effects around them or something like that. And that is an example of, like, the juice going from, like, minimal to maximum. Some of my favorite moments was us doing the uh, Dearly Departed skits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, maybe one day we'll figure out how to make that work. But uh, what, what like, was your favorite skit? It might have been off. Oh, oh, damn. I remember there was like a, at least like two or three bangers uh so one i really liked was the like maybe like the the action man even though that one i know was kind of like whatever it just was stupid enough to work in my head you know where he's like it, i think that was the swarm intro where it's like oh i'm here to kill things but i'm also a terrible superhero <laughs> hey like <laughs> i think the one that i remember is the one that got meta where it was oh it's for the demo episodes maybe but it was like, hey, you want to buy some games? Oh, no, it's the head mounted destination, boys. Run. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The theme music. Ah, run away I from think the that theme was music. like that was like Recommendation Royale and or oh, the side yeah. quest for more games. Yeah. yeah I really dug. <laughs> I really dug that idea. of Just like, get this show away from me. No. <laughs> oh, God, they're still here. And like oh, visually, man. how did like within the mind's eye, how does that display itself? Is it just like is it just our floating thumbnail of Jeff like <laughs> chasing after these men, or is it like is it the big head mounted destinations bubble? Oh, speaking of Jeff, I feel like that's a criminally underused element of our podcast branding. True. Yeah. We so the so when we say Jeff, we're talking about like the skeleton guy who's like stuck in VR on our thumbnails and uh <laughs> I guess our, our Twitter handle, our banner and stuff like that. But anyway, so Jeff is this character that we like lovingly put together. He's a very, I don't know, what would you say foul mouthed? Like he has a lot of attitude and he's kind of yeah. loud. Yeah, he's gruff, I would say. And he's just super jazzed about VR games and, you know, the show. And so he's the one that's typically speaking whenever we tweet the show out. What do we want the show to be like over the next year? I personally would like to dive further into the video side of this podcast. And to that end, I could see us doing, I'm not sure if that means like seeing more gameplay clips in the video episode or us maybe trying to do the podcast in VR. Um, I have seen that and kind of like tinkered around in some VR chat worlds. 
to see how that works. But I think it would be really neat to see head-mounted destinations actually performed in VR, since our podcast is so VR enthusiastic and such. Right. We talked about doing live critiques of demos or games where we show we play in parallel and we show both our, of our footages on the screen yeah i thought that was a really cool idea for like bonus content uh because that is basically because to me that reads as a let's play but it's a let's play of like developers actually like you know giving developers play the game but it's like not their game like that's always the sort of buzzfeed hook right like dishonored developer plays his own level and talks about it mm-hmm. and that's great and all but we're going to be on the other side of that where it's like developers play a different developer's game and talk about it i think that could be really uh cool and fun for us and then insightful for other people watching it because they can see the specific moments and actions we're doing and like what things we're calling out about it. Plus, I don't imagine it would be too difficult to put together (laughs) on my end for the video stuff. Yeah. I do think that's like two very different things though. Us like recording the show in VR and us doing these like let's plays for VR games. both i'm super open to doing and like would want to try out maybe we just turn head mounted destinations volume two into like this big experimental period and then volume three is this like wild head mounted renaissance (laughs) yeah yeah i think playing with format is where we should head next what are you seeing by that when you say that well you're talking about recording in vr we're talking about doing these let's plays i think maybe doing segments Like we could do a segment at the end of the show where we talk about current events or, you know, doing more skits or. Oh, interesting. Okay. See, I wasn't even, I think I was already too in the weeds because I wasn't even seeing this as like, oh yeah, this, this potentially affects like the whole shape of the show. So like, yeah, I guess actually, you know, naturally we come to this conclusion where looking to the future, we want to experiment a lot. Like we want to know what the audience likes to see. Whoever keeps watching this show, like, please reach out to us. Tell us what you like to see so we can show you more of that. Aside from format, I think one thing thinking about the future is where do we want to go in terms of content? We've done different types of topical focuses. We've done sort of deep dive on a specific game. We focused on broader concepts like locomotion or tutorials or whatnot. We've talked about current events or at least ranted about Oculus and Facebook and their place in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We've talked about hardware. We've talked about concepts in the dev process, you know, going from alpha to beta, vertical slice, that kind of thing. So do we want to keep that spread? Do we want to do deeper dives on concepts? Do we want to keep focusing on games? I guess it's sort of, you know, what do people find valuable and what do we have fun with? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm hoping uh, that we can drive the interaction more in volume two of head mounted destinations because again like i want to know what people like to hear and want to know more about that way we can give that to them because in turn i think we're just still going to have a good enriching conversation out of it and that will be you know a good symbiotic relationship i want to extend an offer a challenge really oh yes you listener go on to our reddit or go on to one of our youtube videos and post a comment with the name of a VR game. 
we will play that VR game and we will make either an episode or a bonus episode where we talk about that game exclusively. Obviously, we need to be able to get access to the game and play it. Yeah, if possible, link it with your comment, like name of the game. And if you can like link to the game so we can just get to there that much quicker. And yeah, we'll give our thoughts on the game. Um, we'll figure out probably some way to tackle it. I don't think it's always going to be some sort of like review episode, but definitely, yeah, we want to know what you're interested in. So send those games to us either through YouTube or through Reddit. And with that, let's roll the show out. If you like this episode of Head Mounted Destinations, please share it with your friends. Word of mouth helps us out. To get notified about new episodes, go to headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you at the next Head Mounted Destination.